the optimal life. So live from Turks and Caicos, how are you today, my friend? I'm doing excellent, Nate. Thanks for having me on the show. And I'm really excited to be here with you on this holiday. Yes, yeah. likewise. How's, <laughs> how's life in Turks and Caicos these days? How did you guys handle this uh, pandemic? Um, it was tough because, you know, we are dependent on the tourism industry and for a few months, um, everything was at a standstill. So um, a lot of people wasn't making money, um, but the government assisted the best way they can um, in regards to um, eliminating fees for business owners um, and also providing a stimulus check for business owners and also regular citizens. Um, so they, they, they assisted where they can. Um, however, you know, our economy, 70% of our revenue comes from tourism. So mm. it was tough. However, we had some money saved up that we leaned on and um, things turned around during the summer and we was able to uh, get back on track. We didn't even have to borrow money from any international bank. So um, God has been good to Turks and Caicos and, um, you know, How has the tourism grateful <laughs> to be a part of this economy. Yeah. Sure. Has, has the tourism picked back up over the last few months? Oh, it, it's been booming. Um, we we didn't have a busy season at all. Uh, sorry, a slow season at all. Um, this year, our slowest month was probably October, and businesses were still making their ends meet. But we had a phenomenal bounce back, and I believe it's is because most Caribbean countries haven't recovered yet, and um, they haven't reached nowhere near herd immunity, whereas we are now at 80% of our population being vaccinated. So I think a lot of that is due, due to those numbers and us cooperating and, and being law-abiding citizens, you know? Uh, have you guys seen a surge in cases from this Omicron variant? We have, but um, uh, what is fortunate is that we are not seeing a surge in hospitalizations, which is great. Um, but numbers are up, but the hospital numbers are are not going up. So um, that's I, good. I, so people are getting yeah. people are getting sick, but it's 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 basically a cold. That's it's basically a here. cold or a fever, but it's it's not extreme as the the early stages of the pandemic. Right, that's yeah. what we're seeing here too. So I, I, to me, this is here to stay, LT. I mean, this, this, is. this it, isn't going away. Yeah, it is. It, it, we we are gonna have to uh, get used to it. You know, um, you're going to have to learn to live with COVID. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and it should incentivize everybody to live a little healthier. For sure. For sure. You know, I mean, there's a lot of people that are skeptical about the vaccine. It's fine. Um, start exercising, taking your vitamins, getting enough sleep. You know, uh, if you don't want to take the booster shot or even take the shot at all, you know, it put it forces you now to 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 be more conscious of your health and your body. So, I mean, I have nothing against people who are against the vaccine if, as long as you're being responsible and living responsibly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. And it's funny how we just don't even talk about uh, those kind of things, you know, living a healthier lifestyle because this thing's yeah. not going away. So. It's now, not. if you if you want to be able to handle this when you get sick, because it's inevitably we're going to get sick again. Yeah, and you're going to get I sick agree. again, and you're going to get sick again until this thing really starts to weaken. Until this immunity, this herd immunity, and our bodies adapt to this, there's always going to be a new strain. Now, 
yeah. that's coming out. So yeah. being if anyone should be incented now more than ever, take care of yourself. Yes. Like you say, get some sleep, exercise, yes. eat healthy. Yes. Stay active. Stay away from the sugars and yes. the sodas and all the, the sweets. Of course, in moderation. But but take better care of yourself. So when you do when your body does get attacked, you've got a better chance of it being just a cold instead of I got to run to the hospital and take up a hospital bed this weekend. Yes, yes. Make sure you build up your immune system and, and give it a fighting chance. Absolutely. Yes. So you have a, a an interesting background and story, um, which caught my eye. You uh, you work for the uh, you're you're a government worker in terms yes, of yes I am. Yes, You're a probation I am. officer. Yes, I am. Okay. So um, go. let's go back to your childhood, and we'll get to ultimately how you ended up where you are now in your career. But yeah, uh, you grew up without a father. Yes. When you say without a father, let's go back. Did you not have a father from the day that you came into this world? Or did you have a father when you came into this world and then he was gone? Take us back. Yeah, so... Um... My father was in my life uh, for a short period of time, probably until the age of three, four. And he, he decided to leave. And um, I he left and never looked back. Like he just took off, never looked back. And you know, when, when someone leaves your life like that, you know, it, it, it causes you to self-reflect. And, you know, as a child, you know, you automatically think that something is wrong with you. You don't think the other person, you go back to you, you know, what's wrong with me? You know, um, why didn't he love me? And that brought upon um, feelings of abandonment and me feeling like I, I had, I, something was wrong with me. Therefore, I had to overcompensate in my relationships and my friendships and, and try to people please in order to keep people in my life. Um, and, and um, you know, this, this, this people pleasing thing um, and impacted me a lot because what it did, it, it, it forced me to neglect myself and, and my self-development and put other people's needs before my needs. And I went about this for a long time. Um, Let me ask you LT real quick. When you say you needed to people please, you felt like I need to, make this person happy and like me so that this next person doesn't abandon me the same way my father did. Correct. Correct. Okay. That's, that's the reason why, because, you know, he laughed for no reason. No, so I had to pretty much guess like, okay, maybe something is wrong with me. Correct. And um, that forced me to have this, this mindset um, well into my mid twenties. Um, that's when I would uh, get an opportunity to go to university and study psychology. <laughs> and a lot of people study psychology because they're either trying to deal with their own traumas or mm -hmm. um, they're trying to help other people. I was trying, I studied trying to deal with my own traumas. And I realized um, midway throughout the course that I had, you know, abandonment issues and parental problems. And so um, when I returned back home with my degree, um, I, I pan my, my first book, It's Not a Man's World, um, in recognition of the things that I went through and the, and the relationship struggles I had because he laughed. Yeah. And um, let's dig it's into not that a little bit. Let's dig yeah. into that. I want to go back to, to three, four year old LT. 
Yeah. So you're living as a obviously still a young a young boy. Uh-huh. And what happens? Do you remember the day? Do you remember the day? I know it's probably a little cloudy where all of a sudden your dad was here the day before and gone the next. Do you remember that exact moment? Um, yeah, I do. Um, apparently there was a dispute in the household, you know, my mother, grandmother, and he stormed off and, um, that was it, you know, um, but even during, um, him being in the household, he never really had a relationship with me. Mm. You know, um, I can't remember him talking to me. I can't remember him having any intense interactions with me. So even with you, never remember first, sitting on his lap or being none of that. None of that. You know, and um, so those first three years, even though he was there, it was like he was not there. Did you see him that day when the, your grandma and mother and the, there was this? Yeah, this I was in the household when all of this was happening. He walked out, and you watched him. You watched him walk out that door. I did. And what did he say as he was walking out that door? I can't, it was, I can't remember the words. Remember, I was very young. So I can't remember the exact words, but I, I do recall the visuals and him jumping in his vehicle and trying. You remember out. there was a lot of commotion, a lot of ang- negative feelings that were in that moment, yeah, a lot of sure. anxiety. For and sure. And you remember there was just yelling back and forth and he says, I'm gone. And you watched. No, him no, again, door. I can't remember words. Right. It was just out the door. Out the door. Yeah, and, and and you're and and at that age you don't know what's going on. You might just think that this is normal, of course. Um, yeah, and and so how did you start like the early years? How did your mother? Uh, how did she handle that with you? If you remember, when you're like four or five years old, you start asking questions. I imagine, like right. What well, I I didn't I didn't because it's it's it was more. Of, it was more of a cycle for, for us because my grandmother was also a single parent mother. So it was, it was in our community, you know, two thirds of the households are single parent households. So it's, it's, it's kind of a norm to be honest with you. I mean, it's sad to say, but that's the reality we live in. So for me, you know, when I go by my friend's house or I go by my cousins and I see the exact same situation, um, their father not being there, you know, it's it wouldn't prompt me to have to ask those questions. It's just a norm, you know. Your dad's not there. It's it's a normal thing. So when did you finally realize? Hey, uh, um, th- was there a moment you remember in childhood where you realized, hey, I haven't had a dad, a father figure here for quite a while, and I'm feeling a little bit off or lonely or empty? Was there a moment? Yeah, I mean, watching American TV, um, <laughs> you know, uh, television shows like Family Matters and, um, you know, uh, the, the Cosby show and, um, you know, anything, anything that resembles a family, um, you know, you, you kind of ask questions, you know, they seem so happy and, you know, they have good relationships with their dad, you know, what's, what's going on here? So. And, and that's where that feeling of you know some maybe something was wrong with me you know mm. maybe. well how old were you when you were watching Steve Urkel and and, and Bill Cosby <laughs> uh, probably about between I uh, what eight eight eleven yeah you know around that so age, around eight yeah. nine years old you start realizing oh wait a second there are other families where it is yeah. a full family a father is yeah. present 
they they gave me an idea that you know something is wrong with this picture <laughs> you know and um that that was when my emotions probably uh got you know rattled a little bit you know your, like your heart was you ripped know. right wide open <laughs> yeah, I would say yeah. It 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 made you it made, it makes you self reflect. You know, yes. it was like, you know, something is wrong with this picture. Like, so what did you do, LT? Did you go to your mom and talk to her and say, I feel like something's off. Where's why? Why haven't? Why hasn't Dad been here? What? What? How do you handle that once you start realizing? Oh, uh, there is something again, else out uh, there. Again, Nate. Like I told you, it's a norm in our community. So I was I was never prompted to confront her about it, you know, because it's such a norm. For me, it was like um, if he wanted to be here, he would be here, and um, it, I didn't necessarily view it as her responsibility to having there. I felt like you know he if he wanted to be in my life, he would be there, and I remember sitting uh, an exam in the Turks and Caicos Islands, we have a sixth grade exam that allows that if we pass, we can go to high school. And I remember giving my all into this exam. Yeah. Um, and um, the reason why I did it was because I thought he would find out that I did well and he would attend my graduation. So I end up um, having um, top um, passing the exam in, with flying colors. And um, I was top student in the entire country for mathematics. So I'm like, man, I smashed this thing. And graduation came, he wasn't there. So that's when I accepted the fact that, you know, he's gone. And um, he's so not You're about 12 back. years old at that time. Yeah, I was about 12 years old at that time. And I'm like, yeah, like this is this is what it is. And I'm going to have to live my whole life like this, you know. But um, prior to that, you know, watching the shows and whatnot, I felt like, you know, he would still come back. Like I was still expecting him to, you know, walk through the door. I, was, I didn't really think about confronting my mom or anything like that. You know, it was more so me expecting him to now pull up in the truck and walk back through the door and say, hey, son. The day that he left you guys at three years old till that moment when you were 12 and you realized there's nobody still here to celebrate this with me besides maybe my mom, you know, other people in your family. Nuclear family, um, yeah. Did your mom have any communications with him in that period? No, no. None? None at all. Has she had, have you guys seen him since? Yeah, um, so um, I published my book in 2019 and um, that's when his side of the family started reaching out to me so it started off with um, his, um, his his sister my auntie and um, her daughter now would establish the relationship um, and then this year, 2020-21, was the first time I physically saw him. And um, we met twice this year, um, had a sit down, and we talked about a lot of things. So, and I want to get to that point, but just to back yeah. up a little bit, because this is yeah. this is uh, uh, 20 years, essentially, of 
pain, abandonment. Yeah. abandonment and pain. Yeah. And, and there's yeah. a lot of facets and factors that we can spend hours and hours and hours digging into. Um, yeah. So you felt uncomfortable or you just felt it wasn't right to talk to your mom about it because this was the norm. Yeah. However, however, once you saw those TV shows and as you got a little bit older, you know, 12, 13, do you ever sit down with her and ask her, hey, hey, mom, how do you feel that dad left us? Uh, how do you think it's impacted me? Do you guys ever have a intimate conversation about that? Now, I'll say this now. Um, she would go on to get married when I became a teenager. And she would move to another island with her family, leaving me to now be raised by my grandmother, another single parent mother. So um, my brothers and sisters, they would get that experience of a mother and father being in the home, but I would stay with my grandmother and continue to have that single parent experience. So I now um, visiting, because again, she moves to another island, I now visiting her and my stepfather, I would now get a picture of what a family looks like, have an idea. Um, would I sit down and ask her why my father didn't laugh? No, again, it's his responsibility, not hers, to be in my life. So now seeing a real, like how, how a man's supposed to operate with my stepfather, I'm like, this dude is, is you know, like my it just built up my anger more towards him sure because i'm like you have a choice you know you you chose to be out of my life you know mm. i i'm seeing now that that you know this is a man who wants to raise his kids and he's actively involved i i'm now seeing the contrast you're a daddy dad you're seeing the so, real life dr huxtable huh you're seeing the real life Dr. Huxtable. Yeah, in a sense. I mean, he wasn't perfect. I mean, none of us are. But now I'm seeing a, a man that's devoting all his time and resources into a family. And I'm like, it, it, yeah, it's it's really your choice. It was eye-opening for you. It was an epiphany. It was. It really was. And so um, for my teenage years, I spent a lot of time um, visiting um my mom and her new home and, and the new family structure and even watching her break um, that generational curse of single parent household live with my eyesight, you know, it was, it was very rewarding for me. And so um, again, you know, I, we, I come from a community where this stuff is the norm. Again, two thirds of the community grow up like this. You know, and it's con it's it's almost a norm to have strong women raising yeah. sons, you know, and um to now to get an opportunity to see um this now in my teenage years, you know, it, it added to my frustrations because now I'm realizing that, you know, my father could have been in my life and he chose not to. And that made you sad too, I'm sure when your mom moved to the other island and had this family life here with your grandmother. That made you even more sad knowing that they had what you had been missing your entire life. For sure. Of course. Yeah, you know, um I, How did you handle how did you handle those those teenage years in school and did you were you getting into trouble? Were you rebelling at all? For sure I did. Um I, I got into a lot of trouble. Um, uh, but my grades never deteriorated. You know, I was always a bright kid. Uh, but I, I did do a lot of stupid things, make a lot of bad decisions. Um, How could you not? 
you know, you had- um, uh, I, I spent a lot of time in being frustrated, um, you know, um, not having someone to talk to about the things you go through as a man was, was very difficult. Um, but I was fortunate to have um, my best friend's father. Um, my best friend's father, um, he, he, he poured into me a lot of, of how a man should be. And when he saw me um, making some bad decisions, he had, he had a way about him. He has a way about him. He, he, he used wisdom a lot to talk to me. So he would quote these parables and say these sayings and I'll just think about it for a while. You know, why would he say that to me or whatever, whatever. And then I, I thinking about, I'll have like an aha moment. And, you know, that would pretty much get me back on track with my uh, decision-making and, and, and manhood. So I credit him a lot to the person I am today, you know, the mental stability, me not getting involved in any criminal activities or being hooked on any um, substances, you know, I, I credit all of that to him and his mentorship. And, and that's important um, when, you, when you are raising a son um, by yourself as a woman, it's important to to make sure that he's being mentored by a positive male figure. Now, that's not something my mother steeped. It's something that, you know, I just happened to be a part of, which benefited me. But using the blueprint that I have, you know, that is what can help our communities. Um, if you come from a community where there are a lot of um, single parent households, you know, finding positive role models or even forming a group is a way you can mitigate against them committing any serious offenses or being hooked on any substances. Yeah, that's that's well said and that's spot on. Yeah. Um, so how would you articulate you, you grew up with a female parent, so you don't know what it's like to be growing up with potentially the reverse with just a, no. a male figure with no mom, but no. so, so you don't know that, but, but you do know what it is to not have a dad. So how, how would you best articulate looking back? How do you sum it all up? Like what's the difference having just a single parent mom without a dad? What was the biggest void you think that not only you, but, but two thirds of the population in Turks and Caicos and millions of potential families around the world that are growing up in this, what you call this fatherless epidemic, Right. What's the biggest void that if you could put it into words of not having that male figure present, how do you think that impacted you? I think we, we tend to seek validation in wrong places when you grow up without, because a father validates you, you know, he affirms your manhood, he affirms um, certain qualities and, you know, that exhibit being a good man. So when you don't have that, you look for those affirmations in wrong places. And again, you know, when you look at the prison population and you, you chat the statistics, you see 90% of the inmates being um, fatherless males. It's because those guys seek validation in the wrong places. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the, the things that, that mentorship kind of stops because you have your mentor that's affirming the positive qualities and, and telling you or giving you the, the right blueprint of, of how you should be a male. But when you don't have that and you're, you're going to other broken people for that validation, 
that sets our society up for failure because we have a lot of broken people trying to help broken people. And as the saying goes, hurt people hurt people. So that, that spirals down sense. to them doing a lot of stupid things, being hooked on drugs, um, doing things to support their drug use habits, such as committing offenses, do, committing shooting guns and things because gun gives you a sense of being empowered, having power, that power that you never felt before because you didn't have that, that person validating your power. So you're seeking it through the gun. You know, so all these things is, is what's causing a lot of negatives in our society. And um, I'm not saying I have all the answers, but I'm saying that I have part of the, the, the answer. And I believe um, if you're coming from a household where there isn't a, a, a male figure in it, mentorship is a way you can um, prevent some of these things from happening. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You need somebody there to, that male figure to give you the affirmations and give you the real. Yeah. To give you that real, whether you like it or not. All children need discipline and structure and some form of, of uh, lessons learned. And sometimes you probably need that a little harder from a, a male parent than you're going to get yes. that from a female figure. Yeah. It's a different, it's just a different thing. And that makes a lot of sense to me. Yes. Um, so you, you mentioned that you finally, after 20 years, almost you end up seeing your father last year. Yeah. This uh, year, this, oh, this year, 2021. Yeah. And, uh, how, how, how old are you now? I'm 30. You're 30. Yeah. So you, so you hadn't seen your father in essentially 27 ish years. Yeah. Wow. 20, a quarter of a century, a quarter of a century. <laughs> um, <Yeah>. So <laughs> here you go this year. You finally get a chance to uh, meet the man that, that left you. Um, the the buildup to that moment when you know that you have a meeting set with him, what, what was that like? A lot of anxiety. Um, the first time I met him, a lot of anxiety, a lot of I don't know how this is going to go. Uh, bear in mind, I've already prepared for it um, in my book. You know, I, I went and deal with a forgiving heart. Now, if this was um, LT from teenage up until mid twenties, I would have been in there angry. <laughs> mm. But I've already uh, uh, confronted those emotions, those feelings, and uh, forgiven him for everything that he's done, um, that he did. Because I look at myself today, um, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty well off. I'm pretty good. Um, you you forgave so, him. You forgave him in your heart prior to ever meeting him in person. Yes, I did, and that helped the meeting, the first meet up tremendously. Now he he did something the first time he met that really uh, hit a nerve. He tried to shift the blame towards my mother, and I don't allow people to do that because you're a man at the end of the day, and you have to bear that responsibility of, of, of bringing a child into the world, you know? Um, so I didn't allow him to do that. And that ended the meeting very shortly. So I was able wow. to- Wow, so wait a second, 27 years, he's gone. You finally have a face-to-face -face, and within the first few moments of the meeting, he's blaming your mother for him not being present in your right. life. Right, so I didn't allow that to happen. So and, the uh, meeting ended very quickly. 
Yeah, because he she stormed off when I confronted him, you know. So uh um, wait, who stormed off? He stormed off. He was like, Oh, I got time to do, I got some business to take care of. He's gonna catch up, I'll give you a call, blah, blah, blah. He didn't so he like stormed me. off out of the meeting. Not all right. So it wasn't like in a room setting, like we were we, I was at his place, um, his workplace or whatever, because mm -hmm. he's a mechanic. So I was there and we were just talking briefly. And um, he said he had some work to do when I confronted him about the things that he was saying. Oh, so you started saying, wait a second, let's not play, bl blame mom yes. for, for this yes. abandonment that you created. And then instead of him, you know, listening, he starts saying, I'm busy. I got to do some things. He was trying yeah. to end the meeting. Right. He doesn't want to take. He was that trying to essentially he was trying to flee like he did 27 years earlier. Right. Right. OK, so go so, ahead. Keep going. So um, I. I. I kind of felt bad about it because I let my anger get, get out of hand. And uh, I, I went and I spoke to um, my supervisor. Um, he has a background in counseling. So I spoke to him about it. And he was like, Leo, next time, just be open-minded. Just be open with the things that he's saying and just prom just ask him questions. Don't react. You know, just ask him questions. And so I took my supervisor's advice the second time we met and I was very open-minded with the experience, the, the the second meeting, and we were, we were able to talk for two hours this time. And um, I was able to learn a lot about um, him and his family and um, their roots. I didn't know, I, I thought he had roots in the Bahamas, but apparently he had roots in the Turks and Caicos. And so it was, it was great for me. I was also, I was able to also identify some of the traits I have inside of him. So it was eye-opening in that regard. Um, but, you know, what, what he did to my mother, um, I, I have intentions of confronting that in the future. But, you know, doing it strategically, and because I, I understand now that he doesn't like confrontation. Mm -hmm. So I have to go about that the, the right way so that it really hits him, you know? Interesting. Yeah. So he's the type of person that when he is confronted, he's going to run. Yeah. He's going to shut down and, and, and just not not deal with it. Yeah. Like he did throughout his life. Well, I assume that it, what he did was completely wrong and inexcusable. However, yeah, of course. you spent of course. two hours with him in the second meeting and he was opening up. It sounds like about his background and his where he comes from and maybe some of the ways he grew up and the police experiences he had. Were yeah. you able to at least understand a little bit more the mentality, the the psyche behind the way he his actions? Did yeah, it make a little sure. more sense? You know, my my father, the um, generation, um, they they grew up in this hypersexual community where it seems as though it was rewarding to have multiple ch children with different women for some apparent reason. I don't know. Um, they didn't understand the economic. Um, vulnerabilities of, of making those those type of decisions for them it was more so if i have children by multiple women all over the place i'm a, I'm a good man or i'm a alpha male a some, some something of that nature that's the era that he was raised in 
And so he 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 was reckless, and, he, and I, that explained why he didn't really have any sort of attachment to me because it was like once you get the beautiful woman or whatever you and you have a child with the beautiful woman, this is the accomplishment. I can move on now to the next beautiful woman. That's the era that he grew up in, and um, I was able to find out that I have nine siblings from that's um, nine siblings, not by the same woman. Nine different women, not nine different women. Now some of them have three. Some, some are multiple, but there were multiple right. women. Right, multiple. Yeah, so that's the um, hypersexual. So it was almost like a notch on the belt. It was like a a pride thing in the community. Yeah, it, it, it's hypersexuality was glorified in in their era, mm. and um, I'm and I'm I'm a I'm a byproduct of that of that mindset during that period. You know, so I was able to understand that, and, and now you know it's 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 really and truly trying to confront that mentality because he still has it in him to a sense. Like you see him talking about it, and his chest is, is puffing up, and his shoulders are like it's it's to him it's still something to be proud of. You know, yeah, it's hard to strip that mentality away when yeah. you've been growing. He was probably accustomed to it his whole life, even his childhood. He probably saw that type of stuff. Yes. So that when so he now, finally became a man and an adult, now it was his turn to be the Lion King. Exactly. So now it's now it's now me going there now and saying, okay, I see all these red flags, all these wrong. How do I confront that now so that he really understands and takes in what I'm saying without him running off or avoiding mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So it's it's going into the new year, that's that's my assignment, you know confronting him more about what he's done to let him know that this isn't the way forward this isn't progressive mm. you know so it's it's it, it gives me a lot of homework to do and that's a part of the healing process you know because at the end of the day um i want to have a family one day and i need him to understand that before i i introduce him to my grandkids like this is wrong you know so um in the future, um, that's something that I want to confront with him. And um, LT, sure. did he apologize to you? He's not going to do that because again, he, he sees nothing wrong. Okay. This is culture that we are confronting. Mm -hmm. So um, again, man, it's it's uh, Nate. It's a lot of work, you know. But I'm I'm here for it, and I can tell you, if you interview me two years from now, you will see the progress. Oh, so absolutely. I'm, in the I'm sure if I interviewed you two years ago. Today, <laughs> for it's, sure it's a big difference right yeah yeah i'm telling you so uh before we finish it off um talk about uh, number one before, before i say this i think that there's a lot of lessons that can be learned from what you're saying and i think yeah. one of them that's kind of a hidden message is that we have to not you can't handle people all the same each person needs to be handled in their own manner yeah so, some people need the tough love while others will shut down with tough love. Some yeah. people will run when they're confronted with the truth. Others yeah. will listen and find ways to reflect and look in the mirror. Yeah. And each person needs to be handled in an adverse situation needs to be handled differently with depending on who your audience is. You've learned who your audience is over this past year. Yes. And now you're what you're saying is, hey, I'm going to continue to make progress with my father, but I'm going to do have to come at it in a way that I might not necessarily want to come at it, right. but you LT are going to change your approach so that it 
the the message resonates with him yeah uh, in a more meaningful way yes yes and, you know and, a and doctor, I think that that's true a, with everything yeah a doctor can apply the same well I don't know if they do um but I feel like each patient is different and you you have to um really take a holistic approach when it comes to dealing with a patient and see okay maybe prayer some people believe in God so maybe a mixture of prayer and medicine would help alleviate this ailment or, 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 or in the treatment process or he doesn't he doesn't believe in God so maybe uh, maybe a support group along with this would help that you know so you have to meet people where they are and, and, and um, that's the that's the approach that I'm taking um, obviously I want to go at him hard and, and go uh, uh, Muhammad Ali on him but I, I can't do that with him right. it didn't if work you want to get time. anywhere you know that that's never going to work that's not going to work. So I have to um, really and truly try to understand him, his mannerisms, and get close to his mutual friends. Because um, at the end of the day, we are social beings, yeah? And at, as social creatures, um, we seek validation with, with certain group of friends or whatever. So getting in his friend circle and communicating with his friends. And, you know, you, you have to... You have to be strategic with this thing, and you know, like I tell you, I'm I'm and I'm in it for the long run, and I'm gonna get to it because um, if I can if I can solve this little piece of puzzle, and, and this puzzle in my life, I know it's gonna help a lot of people in the long term because it's a it's a norm it's a normal thing. So that's my task for for the rest of my life is trying to. Um, give a lot provide some insight into this fatherless epidemic and solve it within my life so that other people can use this blueprint and apply it to their circumstances and maybe it will work for you maybe it won't but it's something i'm giving you that's something that you wish you had as a child growing up and you're giving people a, a chance to realize hey i'm not alone and uh, maybe i could take one or two things from lt's experience and apply yes. it to my own to make my situation a little less painful. Yeah. Um, talk about it. The, the book's called uh, um, it, Father. It's not, it's not a man's world, how I conquered the sins of my father. It's not. And a I'm man's still world. conquering it. <laughs> You're still conquering it. <laughs> uh, and we will link it up. It's, a, it's available on Amazon. Yes, it is available on Amazon in three formats. And we will uh, link this up in the show notes. Where else uh, do you want people to find you online? Anywhere else? Yes, you can. Um, you can contact me through my website. It's www.ltborn.com. I am on social media as well, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, my handles are I am LT Born. Again, I am LT Born. You can reach out to me with any questions or anything that might have um, given you some insights during this interview. You can contact me and I'm, I'm, I'll be yeah. happy to talk with you. Yeah, and we'll link you up in the show notes at those links. Um, finally, uh, last question is, how did you ultimately uh, uh, get into this position? What made you want to go become a probation officer? Again, I mean, you look at the prison population. You know, um, most of these males come from fatherless wombs, 90%. If you look at statistics, I'm not sure of the numbers in America. Um, it probably might be more. <laughs> probably very <laughs> similar. Know? Yeah. You know, um, but uh, when you check the statistics, um, 90% of males come from fatherless households. So if you're trying to understand yourself, 
um, and you're trying to help people that's going through it. Now, prison is the extreme end of the fatherless experience. So let me, me understand the extreme and, and I'll work my way down. So I'm doing this probation thing for a while and eventually I'm gonna do therapy and, and um, become a therapist. Um, but I wanna ex, ex, uh, understand the extreme end of this, this epidemic and, and um, what, what it leads to. You know, sure. and I've these past uh, two years being a probation officer has been so insightful for me and my development. And I mean, I've seen myself and so many of my clients. It's it's alarming. It's scary because it's like, man, this is where I could have end up if I didn't have the right people in my life. You sure, know, if you like, maybe didn't have your buddy's uh, father, you might have exactly. gone down the same path. Yeah, you know, some of these guys they cope with their pain in so many different ways. You know, and they seek validation in, in the wrong things and the, in the affirmations in the wrong things like i i was fortunate really really fortunate to to not have that that struggle and so yeah. using my 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 privilege my emotional privilege i would say a bit um i'm, I'm helping them to get through their experiences and, and live more stable lives and, and reintegrate into society so that they can become productive members of 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 the of the community and culture as well, and 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 understand the importance of keeping your family together. That's beautiful, my friend. Yeah. Hey, listen. Uh, thank you for opening up. Uh, like I said, we will share you in the links. If anyone wants to buy LT's book, click the link in the show notes. You can go to his website. You can go find him on social and uh, learn more about. LT born. Hey man, thank you so much. And uh, best of luck to you in, in 2022. Uh, we look forward to hearing more about this continued evolution with you and your father and uh, your mission in, in conquering uh, this, this epidemic. So thank you very much. Thank you, Nate. And happy holidays, brother. Thank you everybody for listening to another episode of the Optimal Life Podcast. If you haven't yet, please subscribe and follow the podcast wherever you're listening. And you could also leave a review. Apple Podcasts, of course, you could leave reviews and ratings. Spotify, you could leave reviews and ratings. And several and many other podcast apps, wherever you may be listening, please tell a friend, tell a family member, let them know about the podcast, and we will see you next time.